this is the full story of my relationship with my grandma Claire, who's the mother figure of my existence of my entirety. I remember the times that she danced with me, even though she did not have the best ankle physical conditions. She had a lovely, noticeable limp. But she would do dances with me anyway. And the way she danced, I could no longer tell, nor did I ever think about her lovely, noticeable limp afterwards. It was as if she did not have any ankle concerns anymore. I remember the hymns, the old Negro spirituals she would sing to me and have me recite. I remember the very few Bible verses she taught me. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. John chapter 3, verse 16. And the message of nobody has the right to disrespect me because I'm royalty in her exact words. I remember the advice she gave me on women. And she has given me more advice from heaven over time. As I got older, I would hear her voice in my head. She would constantly update the wisdom she would give me, even though she's in the paradise dimension and I'm in the, this earthly dimension. Come to think of it, I gave her wisdom back in return. So here's the full wisdom that my grandma Claire and I came to the same conclusions about women in terms of sound advice as it's eloquently stated. When it comes to women and myself, we have the following mutualities. We don't curse each other out. We don't curse at each other. We don't objectify each other. We don't sexually objectify each other. We don't influence each other to engage in self-objectification. So we don't provoke self-objectifying within one another at all. No infidelity, no adultery, no cheating. No extramarital. No beating each other, no striking each other, no punching each other, no slapping each other, no spitting on each other, no kicking each other, no yanking each other, no pulling on each other, no shoving each other, no pushing each other. No smacking each other. No scratching each other. No charging at each other. No lunging at each other. We address each other 
as honorably honorable human beings. We don't call each other out of each other's names. We call each other the names that are self-respecting to each other. Here's what I mean by that. Any name that they feel disrespects them, that's not what we go by. And any name I feel disrespects me, that's not what I go by. That's not what we go by again. We do not use any kind of dehumanizing language and demonizing language when it comes to each other. We do not insult each other. We do not push ourselves up to put others down. We don't put the other up for the one party to be down either. We are protective of each other in each and every thought, word, and deed. We try our best to keep unnecessary wickedness and unnecessary suffering and unnecessary toxicity and unnecessary poison from happening to each other. If we were in a situation where we had to take the bullet for the other, so the one party can keep living the life that they are destined, supposed, and meant to live, then that's what we do. We look each other in the eyes instead of always looking each other in the chest. We look each other in the eyes instead of always looking at each other in the glutes. We look each other in the eyes instead of always looking at each other in the mouth and the lips and the tongue. We look each other in the eyes instead of always looking at each other in the rib cages and backs and legs. We actively listen to each other. We also honor each other's personal boundaries as well as each other's bodily integrity. We value personal autonomy, self-ownership, and self-determination of each other over our own bodies and our own souls. I must add this. That we do not have commodification attitudes towards each other. 
In my relationships with women, and my grandma strongly agrees with me, even though she's in heaven, I'm on earth, we agree that when it comes to women and myself, there's no such thing as instrumentality. There's no such thing as women and myself treating each other as tools for the others' purposes. In my relationships with women, there's no such thing as denial of autonomy. When it comes to women and myself, there's no such thing as treating each other as lacking in autonomy and self-determination. In my relationships with women, there's no such thing as inertness. In my relationships with women, there's no such thing as treating each other as lacking in agency or acti- inactivity. In my relationships with women, there's no such thing as fungibility. In my relationships with women, there's no such thing as treating each other as interchangeable with other objects. In my relationships with women, there's no such thing as violability. When it comes to my relationships with women, there's no such thing as treating each other as lacking in boundary integrity inviolable. In my relationships with women, we don't see each other as some things that is permissible to break up, smash, break into. Women and I don't break up each other. We don't smash each other. We don't break into each other. In my relationships with women, there's no such thing as evil ownership. In my relationships with women, there's no such thing as treating each other as though they can be owned, bought, and sold. In my relationships with women, there's no such thing as being owned, being bought, and being sold. None of that at all. In my relationships with women, there's no such thing as denial of subjectivity. In my relationships with women, there's no such thing as treating each other as though there's no need for concern for our feelings and our experiences. In my relationships with women, there's no such thing as reduction to body. In my relationships with women, there's no such thing as the treatment of each other as identified with our body and body parts. In my relationships with women, there's no such thing as reduction to appearance. In my relationships with women, there's no such thing as the treatment of each other primarily in terms of how we look and how we appear to the senses. Lastly, in my relationships with women, there's no such thing as silencing. In my relationships with women, there's no such thing as the treatment of each other as if we are silent, lacking the capacity to speak. My grandma and I came up with these. Of course, through my education and through her education, we had these heart-to-heart talks. Um... I do not, even though I have attraction to women, harmless attraction to women, I can feel something sexual for them without sexualizing them. I was able to find that you can be erotically and sensually and bodily activated by the physical 
um, exterior of a person. I know it sounds redundant, but bear with me. Um, but I don't turn them into playthings. I don't turn them into thingamajigs. I don't turn them into um, treasure chests. I don't turn them into show and tell. I don't turn them into trophies. I don't turn them into um, items that you parade. I don't do any of those things. I don't see women in any of these devilish attitudes that I just point out and they don't see me in the devilish attitudes I just pointed out as well um, so my grandma also said to me these things actually we said it at the same time everything I'm telling you about what she and I came up with we said it at the same time no arguing with each other no heated arguments with each other no raising our voices at each other. No shouting at each other. No yelling at each other. No screaming matches. No. No back and forth with each other. No mocking each other, no ridiculing each other. And our humor has to be with each other, not at each other. We laugh together, we don't laugh at one another. Um, my grandma and I talked about the importance of chivalry. Uh, Phylogeny. Phylogeny. Gentlemanliness. And Southern hospitality. And I have all of those characteristics. Um, I remember her cooking for me. I'm not bringing up a stereotype, but my grandma chose to cook for me on her own independently. I remember at times feeling afraid to disappoint her. She would cook something, I would come downstairs. I thought I would run into her because she's at the end of the stairs and I was running down. And I thought that she would give me severe corporal punishment for running in the house. But I was running toward her. She caught me in her arms at the end of the stairs. And I wiped my brow because I expressed to her my amazement, pleasant amazement, in fact, that she did not dish out old school on me. And she said, you're one of, the, you're one of my good ones. 
one of my good kids. Come on and get something to eat. And we laughed and joked, had an excellent time. We would talk. I remember being in her presence and she had the best fried chicken. She was the best cook I ever had, the best chef I ever had. Um, I remember, you know, every time I was I was experiencing women in their entirety, and I mean that gentle manly, I would think of her. At my attitudes towards women become more and more gentle and manly as I age because I'm always learning about how to treat women well and how to see women well. And that never changes. I never grow. I never stop growing in that. I always grow in that. And when I say what never changes is that my attitudes toward women in sight and conduct are always improving each and every day. I never want that to stop because stunting my gentleman growth, hell no and fuck that. That is what shitty ass motherfuckers do. That is what dickhead dumbasses do. And that is what that is what bullshits talking shits out of their asses do. I always want to and need to more importantly most of all progress in my life with women I don't have perfectionism towards women like I used to That's because of the childhood abuse, but I was able to overcome it with the help of uh, my grandma, Clara, her Jesus, uh, my psychological support, kind people who encountered me along the way, kind strangers, um, my inner circle, my... um, My, my dearest friends. And I can't leave out myself. Um, I remember she, my grandma cooked IHOP kind of breakfast and Outback Steakhouse kind of dinners for me. And... <laughs> And buffet-style lunches for me all the time. The best southern sweet tea and lemonade and fruit punch and um, apple juice and orange juices and even clean, non-diluted, non-lead, bottled pure water and healthy fountain water she would give me. 
she was the, and I gotta be honest about something. She was the first person to teach me life skills, consciously. She was the first person to teach me healthy decision making. She was the first person to teach me a healthy problem solving. She was the first person to teach me healthy creative thinking. She was the first person to teach me healthy lateral thinking. She was the first person to teach me healthy critical thinking. She was the first person to teach me healthy communication. She was the first person to teach me healthy interpersonal skills. She was the first person to teach me healthy self-awareness. She was the first person to teach me empathy. She was the first person to teach me healthy assertiveness. She was the first person to teach me healthy equanimity. She was the first person to teach me healthy resilience. She was the first person to teach me healthy coping with emotions. She was the first person to teach me healthy coping with stress. She was the first person to teach me healthy management of the difficult. She was the first person to teach me healthy attitudes, healthy emotional intelligence, healthy emotional literacy, healthy emotional self-regulation, health, uh, kindness, uh, moral, healthy moral development, life skills-based education, uh, healthy social intelligence, um, healthy positive psychology, personal boundaries, again, healthy people skills, healthy social skills, healthy soft skills, health, healthy study skills, healthy theory, multiple intelligences. When I look back on it, that's what she was teaching me, even though she didn't know that was a concept. And she's the first person to teach me the beauty of vocational education and vocational skills. She's the first person to teach me impermanence change. She's the first person to teach me without even knowing it uh, gelatology. She's the first person to teach me um, ruler. She's the first person to teach me recognizing, understanding, labeling, expressing, and regulating emotions. That she's the first person to teach me that. She taught me those things without knowing the things that she was teaching me when I think about it now. She knew some, but not as much as these things. Um, she's the first person to help teach me healthy behavior prevention, healthy positive development, um, healthy parenting, um, life skills nourishment, skills for work and life. Yeah, she's the first person to teach me all these things. Um, <laughs> she's the first person to teach me healthy self-esteem. <laughs> um, now, let's get back to women. Women will be the highlight of my conversation with, with, about my grandma and I that we always have. So we're going to get into it. Yes, yes, we're going to do this. So, are there times where I have sexual desires regarding women? Yes. Do I go about them ethically, mindfully, humanely, naturally, genuinely? Um, innocently? 
harmlessly. Civilly. Yes. And I said it before, but I say it again. Most of my time spent with women, there's no sexual anything and everything going on. There's no sex going on. Uh, There's no erotic anything and everything going on. Um, Most of my time spent with women is filled with interpersonal and emotional intimacies and and spiritual and soul and inner life intimacies. I know I'm repeating myself in other episodes, but let me add more detail. One of the reasons why I prefer dark black skin dark black skin black women is because my grandma's dark skin black uh, woman. She's dark black skin black woman. Even if she wasn't, I would still prefer um, chocolate women, but I, it helps that my grandma was chocolate, you know. Um, me and my grandma, we have a healthy relationship, but, you know, whoever is your biggest hero and whatever you prefer, it's nice that they were that because it makes it much more amazing. Um, much more uh, dignified and much more... Um, appropriately glorified and sensibly magnified. With with my grandma every day in my heart, I um, go over scripture with her. And not just with her, but I'm hoping that There's a creator called God who's going over the biblical scriptures with us. Um, A part of me will always hope and long for at least one benevolent creator of this world, this globe. Um, My grandma really helped me to forever maintain that desire. Um, I can easily accept things that never happen and let it go. But with that one, I don't think I ever can. And that's how much it means to me. You know, that's how much her concepts of God mean to me that she got from Scripture, the Bible. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm just honest, very much honest about the fact that I still... I'm open to evidence changing my mind because one of the things my grandma I agree on in my heart is don't hold on to your beliefs and convictions so strongly that evidence can't change the beliefs and convictions that should be changed and the ones that should never be changed you hold on to them. But I am I don't have a stringent grasp of my outlooks and viewpoints. I'm not that kind of person. I believe in evolution of of sight and conduct toward flesh 
And I believe in evolution and sight and conduct towards spirit. So, I must admit that every day was my, you know, I decided next week. um, I say next week because I know next week I'll be able to implement this for sure. The 24th to be exact at 12 a.m. I'm going to do something similar to prayer. Um, What does that mean? It means that I will be on my bedside putting headphones to my ear. The small ones, not the big ones, because I do not want bumpy ears and ear rashes and ear infections. Um, I don't want that. And, um, but this is what I will say. I will be listening to the meditation app and just kneeling at my bedside in quietness, verbal quietness, and letting grandma speak to my heart. And I speak to her, converse with her in my heart, and silently hoping that whoever is the benevolent creator of this world and or if there's more than one benevolent creator of this world, that that benevolent creator speaks wisdom to me and I speak wisdom to that benevolent creator and or more than one benevolent creator, you know? That's how I feel. As my grandma said, I needed to pray every day and I decided even though I'm a secular person, that I would do something similar to prayer every day. I don't talk, I just let um, concepts of divinity personify themselves in my life while we're being conversant with each other. I've been writing... um, a book about my conversations with my grandma since January 17th. I, I decided every January 17th I will be um, taking a walk with her, just her and myself, because that was the day that she transitioned. She transitioned 20 years ago. Every June 11th is her birthday. She would be 93 if she was still physically around so I decided to take a walk with her and I on a special day so I was going to do the restaurant thing next you know last year but COVID made me more creative Um, I made myself more creative you know and COVID was the reason big reason and I decided next week I'm going to walk every week I'm going to go walking every week with just her and myself. That would be our ritual, just walking around. I decided our favorite song, you know, like a couple song, but because that's my mom, 
talking about my mom here. I decided to create a, I did not create a song, but I decided to have a favorite song. And that favorite song will be, um, hmm. What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong, the spoken intro version. That'll be our favorite song. My grandma was very pleased about that. Because that song, What a Wonderful World, and my grandma and I, we go take it a step further. What a Wonderful Universe. So that'll be our favorite song. And I decided that my grandma and I are going to dance every day together in the privacy of wherever I am and even in my room, just us. Um, my grandma and I agree that I should you know, seen it very soon, as soon as I can, you know, exercise every day and eat right and um, drink plenty of fluids and make sure I'm up on my dental health, my medical health. And she's helping me do these things more because I just overcame the effects of depression that I'm able to overcome. It's not the residue I'm overcoming. It's not letting the residue uh, fuck me up and fuck me over. So with my grandma, we still, um, she's helped me to let go of self-help books and not, not dissing those who read them. She's like, you don't need them because they're inappropriate for you. And she's helped me with my dreams. Um, she loves the fact that I'll be, um, Addressing every subject and every issue when it comes to culture and the arts, geography and places, health and fitness, history and events, human activities, mathematics and logic, Natural physical sciences, people and self, philosophy and thinking, religion and belief systems, society and social sciences, technology and applied science and sciences with myself and healthy trained professionals and the right people around all of us. She likes my Claritonio dream I told you all about. Um... She likes the fact that I'll be a spoken word artist, a CEO, a public uh, speaker, an itinerant humanitarian, um, not a social entrepreneur, a servant leader, person of balanced optimism, good, naked, unashamed, and healthy tell-all book, and a healthy open book. And a person on public media platforms. You know, that's a social entrepreneurship I did. And a person who is an independent contractor in their own unique right. Now, let me talk about something painful for about five minutes, then I'll get to religion for the next 20. I never got to tell my grandma in person about my being abused and raped. 
third time she asked me if I was okay because I would look like something bad just happened, but then I would say, oh, I was acting, and she would laugh. And sometimes I think the way she looked at me other times, she wouldn't go for the laugh, though. It was if she could tell something, but what she decided to do was just love on me anyhow. And she would say, you're always safe with me. You can always be yourself with me. And you can always um, come to me about anything. I remember her saying that to me. And she said, I will never judge you for how you think and feel and what's happening to you. And I decided to take her up on her offer um, once she she, um, transitioned. I remember feeling upset that the week that she, you know, before she transitioned, I tried to tell her the abuse that was happening. But she was called home to glory before I could do that. And so I struggled with trust issues regarding my own family for another, for almost 12 years. I tried again with my Claire. I remember the last words I said to her were, I love you. I remember those my exact last words, my Claire. This was June 2013. I was 19. I came home from college, and this was Beacon College, to be exact. And, um... We were supposed to go to a Martin Luther King Jr. exhibit and that never got to happen because my Aunt Clara um, transitioned in the in the shower while she was bathing, as I was told. And I was about to tell her what happened because we both agreed to hang out with each other and spend more time with each other. She even told my dad, she, she, there's nothing she has to, you know, that there's nothing my dad has to worry about regarding me. But my Clara's passing, um, I'm sorry, I meant to say transition. Um, And I'm just upset that that happened. You know, in terms of not being able to have that time with her. I thought about my grandma during the times where I witnessed domestic violence against women. Um, Where I experienced um, rape and 
protecting the women who are experiencing domestic violence. Um, um, There was... um, I'm having a tough time saying this. Um, there were narcotics and um, liquor involved during the time of the abuse, the child abuse. Um, there was a lot of abuser traits being displayed in front of me and me confronting abusers as a kid. Um, I went over five minutes, but that's okay. Um, I'm super sensitive to women naturally as well as because of the trauma experience influences my views on right to life and right to die subjects and issues of all kinds. Um, I've had a tough time with all these things. What am I kidding? It's beyond a tough time. I've learned not to come up with words for the unwordable, because there are none. It influences my views on sex, sexuality, uh, women empowerment, women's rights of any classification. So that's what occurred. And I remember telling my grandma all of the truths about myself and all the details about myself that you all know based on previous episodes, specifically my views on religion and my views on politics and my views on um, each and every kind of hard-hitting, hot-button subject. And my grandma said to me, because of the child hate crimes that happened to you, because of the because of the gentle, quiet spirit that you are, as well as because of the unfairness of that people attribute to blackness, and because of the stigmatization that is darted at people or labeled disabled. 
And she said, more importantly, because of your golden Midas touch. She says she's not offended at all by any perspective I've had because she understands where they come from and why they are felt that way. I'm very grateful for that. Very grateful for that. Let, uh, let me bring out my last religious doubts. So I had a moment of just pausing and dwelling on my grandma. Um, okay, let's talk about my views on religion. The whole women can't have jewelry and earrings and looking stylish and looking non-conservative are problematic for me because I am for um, bodily modifications, tattoos, piercings, and they say people, especially women, can have those things. I said, I say, no, I don't like that. And I saw those things being prohibited in religion, as well as cohabitation, open plural, and multiple marriages and relationships. I'm like, as long as they have gender equality or all the above, I do not care. So those are my issues that I have with religion on those things. But I told my grandma I would never lose sight of Jesus Christ-likeness. Um, to always put Jesus first in terms of putting Christ-likeness first and never let go of Jesus and I made that vow towards a very weak eye transition. I told y'all that. Here's another detail. Um, I told her these things about religion that um, I don't understand. I said, Grandma, if God is real, why is there anger? Why is there angst? Why is there anguish? Why is there annoyance? Why is there anxiety? Why is there apathy? Why is there boredom? Why is there contempt? Why is there depression? Why is there disappointment? Why is there disgust? Why is there distrust? Why is there doubt? Why is there embarrassment? Why is there envy? Why is there fear? Why is there frustration? Why is there greed? Why is there grief? Why is there guilt? Why is there hatred? Why is there horror? Why is there hostility? Why is there loneliness? Why is there jealousy? Why is there outrage? Why is there panic? Why is there pity? Why is there pride? Why is there rage? Why is there regret? Why is there rejection? Why is there remorse? 
Why is there resentment? Why is there sadness? Why is there shock? And why is there shame? And why is there self-pity? Why is there sorrow? Why is there suffering? Why is there worry? Why is there humiliation? Why is there homesickness? Why is there insecurity? Why is there um, agony? And why is there agitation? Why is there defeat? Why is there cruelty? Why is there hatred? Why is there hatred? Why is there neglect? Why is there sadness? Why is there schadenfreude? Why is there sadade? Why is there spite? Why is there cynicism? Why is there defeatism? Why is there pessimism? Why is there reclusion? Why is there nihilism? Why is there vicarious embarrassment? Why is there homesickness? Why is there angst again? And why did I have to experience all of those realities as a child? Why did I witness those emotions as a child? My grandma and I, um, okay, I talked a, a, a little more about the abuse and relationship. Let me tell you new details for like at least 10 minutes. Um, in my heart to heart conversations with my grandma, I told her. All the people who are abused have gone on to heaven. And the suicide victims who have gone to heaven. I told my grandma Claire that I would hug and love on all these people as soon as I die. I remember my grandma saying, when you die, you'll be alive in front of me. Your last breath in this life will be taken down there. When you open your eyes, you'll, I'm the first person you'll see. Besides her Jesus, she told me this in spirit. 
she's saying that you'll be teleported to heaven. You don't need to be in the book of life because everybody up there knows you're in it. And I appreciate that very much, so. She said, me and all the other heavenly hosts will grab you and fly to heaven and maybe teleport you as fast as possible. You'll, you'll already be past the gates because you'll already be through the gates of heaven. You could have your own mansion with you. She told me that. You know, she also told me. Make sure that my boy gets in. Another new detail was that I used to have post-traumatic stress. I still have it, but I couldn't always worship as I would like to because of the rape flashbacks. Sometimes my grandma would help me to fight through. The other time she would say, rest. It's okay to sit down even though everybody else is gyrating and Expressing their praise. Be honest with me about all your emotions and feelings. And it's okay not to fight through all the time. Sometimes it's okay to say I'm just not into it. And when I admitted that to her and to myself. Suddenly I had much more joy than everybody else. And everybody else was amazed at my joy. There are times where. I did think of the women getting beat up and the women getting cussed out and and cheated on because I did witness infidelity up close as a kid in terms of sex in front of me, you know, and being shown pornography. Um, That did happen. And I remember protecting women in college and um, and they always felt safe with me even before and after college as well as during. Because I hear my grandma saying you need to protect young ladies from the chauvinistic predators. Keep their predatory hearts away from them. You know, I wonder why God doesn't destroy transactional religion, tribal religion, Pharisaism, churchianity, situational. Christianity, supremacist religion, slaveholding religion. Why is those things allowed? 
And sometimes I feel There are times where I felt like I let my grandma down, but she said, there's no way you can disappoint me. There's no way you can fail me, and there's no way you can let me down. Because I know the kind of heart that you have and the heart that you are. Yeah, and so as I close, I wanted to give all the story between myself and my grandma that we have conversation about 24-7. There's so much I would like to say, but I had to give out these last details. When I talk about her, it'll be all new details and no repeats at all. I want y'all to get the whole story. You know, she would tell me secrets as a kid good secrets, like funny stories about my dad. Like, don't tell your dad. She looked at me like, as he looked to say, don't tell. And I knew what she meant, so I wouldn't. My dad was like, what y'all talking about? And they were like laughing. She say nothing. And uh, I, w- I remember walking like Tommy. She said, why had the baby walking like that? Cartoon show. And she had me stop walking like that. And my dad imitated Eddie Murphy to her. What about the baby? And he and that was what I said, yeah, what about the baby? He's important. I remember almost crashing into bushes, which I did. And my dad was like, how, how did that happen? My grandma said, boy, get him out the bushes. What are you doing? You're supposed to watch after him. You're supposed to watch after the baby. And I think she was helping me get out of the bushes. And she took me in. I used to run to her grandma. Grandma, like SpongeBob did when, you know, he was... Um, on the show. Still on the show, but I remember that particular show. She didn't like me calling her grandma. She wanted me to call her mom, and I was trying to understand. And then she said, because we're close. I said, oh, okay. And I never showed any inquisitiveness nor curiosity about that ever again to her because I understood the law. She's the law. She's the law. L-A-W. Um, lastly, I remember... I just knew she was an anti-bullshit person. I just knew she wasn't the one to be fucked with. She wasn't the one to be disobeyed. She wasn't the one to be shitted on. So I'll always remember that about her. She never laid a hand on me, never raised a voice at me, never cussed me out, never gave me a look of hurt and disappointment, you know. First called her grandma, she had this look of... of a sense of... I want to help him understand that's not what we have, right? Um, I feel bad that I never got to know her favorites, her least favorites, her most favorites. I can't say anything of them. She said, I'll explain everything later when, you know, I meet Jesus, when we meet Jesus. And um, I just feel bad that, you know, I wish I could have said some things that would have helped her heal from her husband, Willie Jacob Brewer Sr.'s passing and her being orphaned at 14 and her seeing Malcolm X in his Detroit Red in Harlem and live with her sister and living in a neighborhood during the time of drugs and um, 
segregation, the white, cleaning for white people and white men trying to put a hot dog and, you know, thank you.